Welcome to the Election Ride Home for Monday, March 9th, 2020. I'm your host, Jackson Bird, with a summary of election news. Today, it's not looking so hot for Sanders in Michigan. Biden is collecting endorsements like Pokemon and leading in the national polls, plus a look ahead to tomorrow's primary elections. Here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. Six states will be voting in primary elections tomorrow. Idaho, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, and Washington State. But the one on everyone's lips is Michigan. With 125 delegates, it's the most populous state voting tomorrow and the first of the Midwest battleground states to vote. It's also where Senator Sanders is hoping for a repeat of his 2016 victory to get him back on top. Quoting the New York Times, Four years ago, Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont scored an upset win over Hillary Clinton in the Michigan Democratic primary, reviving his insurgent candidacy one week after his political prospects dimmed because of Super Tuesday losses. Now Mr. Sanders finds himself once again urgently in need of a bounce-back victory in Michigan's presidential primary after another disappointing Super Tuesday, this time against former Vice President Joe Biden. But Politico points out that even the 2016 victory might not have been all it was chalked up to be. Quote, Where the Vermont senator saw a sudden groundswell of support for his insurgent candidacy, a narrative that proved irresistible to much of the media, Democrats on the ground in Michigan saw something very different. They saw disturbingly low turnout. They saw Clinton failing to energize black voters. They saw young people and independents rebelling against the Democratic frontrunner. They saw white working-class voters abandoning her and the party in numbers that were once unfathomable. In other words, they saw a sneak preview of November 2016. End quote. All that was bad for Clinton in 2016 does not mean all is good for Sanders in 2020. Mostly just that his competition was easier four years ago than it is today. Continuing from Politico, Not only do party insiders expect Democratic turnout will spike among groups unfavorable to Sanders, black voters and suburbanites in particular, but he now faces an opponent in Joe Biden who comes into the state with a head of steam, who benefits from Democrats' desire to coalesce behind an alternative to Trump, and will compete for independence and working-class white voters in a way Clinton never did. End quote. Sanders has been pulling out all the stops in Michigan with rallies across the state targeting several different demographics, but recent polling shows him continuing to do worse compared to Joe Biden with black Democrats and college-educated white voters. And, quoting the New York Times, Exit polling and voting trends in some Super Tuesday states indicate that Mr. Sanders has declined in strength with working-class white voters who, uneasy with Mrs. Clinton in 2016, delivered him landslide wins across much of central and northern Michigan that year. End quote. Pundits are also looking back to Michigan's 2018 election. Quoting the New York Times, In 2018, Michigan Democrats rallied behind a number of moderates, Abdul El Sayed, who ran against Gretchen Whitmer for governor on progressive issues like Medicare for All, enjoyed Mr. Sanders' support and a flood of news media attention in 2018, but did not capture a single county in that primary. Miss Whitmer, a former Democratic leader of the state Senate, whose most memorable vow was to, quote, fix the damn roads, beat him by nearly 22 points, end quote. Politico notes there was one demographic particularly responsible for the election of those several moderate Democrats in 2018, and it's not good news for Sanders. The demographic? 
suburban women. Democratic operative Angela Vasquez-Euro told Politico of the 2018 Michigan gubernatorial primary, There was a widening gap in the polling and nobody knew whether to trust it. And then on primary day, she crushed him. So I don't see how it works for Bernie, in part because I can't see him capturing nearly enough of that suburban woman vote. The math just isn't there. End quote. Another challenge for Sanders? Bloomberg to Biden voters. Quoting the New York Times, Some of the more Clinton-friendly precincts from 2016 may be even more hospitable to Mr. Biden now that Michael Bloomberg, the former mayor of New York, is out of the presidential race. Now that Mr. Bloomberg has withdrawn and endorsed Mr. Biden, some of his supporters appear poised to migrate to the former vice president. A Detroit News survey taken before Super Tuesday found 49% of Mr. Bloomberg's supporters indicating that Mr. Biden was their second choice, while just 18% said Mr. Sanders was their second choice. End quote. And while he continues trying to make inroads with black voters, the New York Times notes that that same Detroit News poll shows Biden with 40% of support of black voters and Sanders at only 16. Quoting Politico again, Given that Sanders' advantage with Latinos becomes less relevant the deeper Democrats get into the nominating calendar, there's likely one last hope for his campaign to remain viable. A historic, unprecedented mass mobilization of young voters turning out in the primaries ahead. End quote. Bruce Fielk, a Sanders organizer in Michigan, said to Politico, quote, In some states they've turned out, in other states they haven't. You know, I've been encouraged to see so many of them volunteering here with us, but obviously they need to actually vote. If they do, Bernie can win. If they don't, Biden wins. Brandon Dillon, a former chairman of the Michigan Democratic Party, looking back again to the 2016 election, echoed a common sentiment to the New York Times, quote, I know people personally who voted for Bernie because they wanted to send a message to Hillary. Now, Mr. Dillon says, Mr. Sanders isn't a novelty anymore. People just want to win because we know who our opponent is and what he can do if he gets another four years. End quote. Politico sums it up pretty well. Quote, With the Democratic nominating contest reduced to a binary choice between the outsider Sanders and an insider backed by the party's mainstream voters, the parallels to 2016 are obvious. The biggest difference is environmental. After eight years of holding the White House, establishment Democrats now admit they were complacent in 2016, downplaying both the threat of Sanders in the primary and Donald Trump in the general election. That is no longer the case. End quote. In other words, a lot of people who weren't engaged then are now, and a lot of moderates who weren't putting the full power of their resources behind Clinton are now doing so in favor of Biden. But, hey, the polls were wrong in 2016, and they could be again. We will start finding out tomorrow evening. I don't know why so many public figures like to announce their endorsements over the weekend, but once again, our two front-runner candidates got a big round of endorsements since I recorded on Friday. Pertinent to that last story, Vice President Biden has snagged the endorsements of Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmore and Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan, who both spent Sunday campaigning for Biden in communities across Detroit. Biden has also been endorsed by two more former 2020 presidential candidates, Senators Kamala Harris and Cory Booker, who will both appear alongside Biden at a rally tonight in Detroit. Senator Harris said of her endorsement, 
One of the things we need right now is we need a leader who really does care about the people and who can therefore unify the people, and I believe Joe can do that. Senator Booker tweeted early this morning, quote, The answer to hatred and division is to reignite our spirit of common purpose. Joe Biden won't only win, he'll show there's more that unites us than divides us. He'll restore honor to the Oval Office and tackle our most pressing challenges. That's why I'm proud to endorse Joe. Both Harris and Booker consistently challenged Biden on his record on racial justice, which in a way makes their support even more significant. Booker said on CBS this morning that he sees Biden as, quote, understanding the issues of race and, frankly, racial reconciliation and racial justice, and even saying things now about choosing a black woman on the Supreme Court, end quote. Meanwhile, Senator Sanders got a major endorsement from civil rights activist and former presidential candidate, the Reverend Jesse Jackson. Jackson said in a statement, quote, A people far behind cannot catch up choosing the most moderate path. The most progressive social and economic path gives us the best chance to catch up, and Senator Bernie Sanders represents the most progressive path. That's why I choose to endorse him today. Sanders previously endorsed Jackson for president back in 1988, when Jackson was running in the primaries against none other than Joe Biden. Joanne Reed pointed out on Twitter how many similarities this race has to that one, tweeting, There's a lot that's parallel about then and now. Sanders' platform is similar to Reverend Jackson's back then, while Biden is winning a lot of the states Jackson won in 84, and especially in 1988, when he did so well they had to bargain with him at the convention, a la DNC post-2016. She continues, Sanders endorsed Jackson in 1988 when he was Burlington mayor, which likely helped him in that state, though Michigan was the big surprise that scared the party shitless. They feared a brokered convention. End quote. There's lots of interesting parallels that give context not just to Jackson's endorsement, but to our larger political landscape right now. Uh, I'll link to that thread, which also links to some other good reading materials in the show notes. But back to endorsements. Biden picked one up from Every Town for Gun Safety, not a huge shocker considering their ties to Mike Bloomberg and Biden's work on the Brady Bill versus Sanders' opposition to certain aspects of gun reform earlier in his career. Even though he's long since changed his stance, it can't be surprising that every town would pass on endorsing him. Speaking to George Stephanopoulos on ABC's This Week in response to a question about Biden's slew of endorsements, Sanders said, quote, It's no secret, George. You know politics in this country. We're not going to get the most support of elected leaders, not most governors, not most senators, but we are winning the support of grassroots America because we have an agenda that speaks to working people. End quote. There's also two more not quite endorsements from this weekend. Uh, so the National Organization for Women, who had previously endorsed Warren, put out a statement on Friday urging Senator Warren not to endorse Senator Sanders. President Tony Van Pelt told the Associated Press on Friday, quote, We think that our constituents, our members, will not necessarily think of Sanders as the best choice. We wouldn't have the Violence Against Women Act if it wasn't for Biden's leadership. Sanders doesn't have a record. He's really, as far as we know, done next to nothing for women and for our issues. End quote. Some strong words there, but there you have it. In better news for Senator Sanders, former 2020 presidential candidate Tom Steyer published an op-ed in the New York Times yesterday lambasting the Democratic establishment. 
So it's not an outright endorsement of his old pal Bernie, but it does make the prospect of a Biden endorsement from Steyer look a bit unlikely. I could totally be eating my words on that in the future, though. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There's a new poll out from CNN conducted by SSRS that shows Biden with a double-digit lead over Sanders nationally. Quoting CNN, The poll finds 52% of registered voters who are Democrats or Democratic-leaning independents say they want to see Biden win the nomination, while 36% say they'd rather see Sanders win. End quote. The poll was conducted from March 4th through 7th and has a 3.3 margin of error. One stat that stood out to me is that with 52% of respondents saying they view Sanders unfavorably, that is the highest he's been rated unfavorably on CNN's polling since 2015. Though it's important to note that Biden is viewed 44% unfavorably, so it's not that far behind. Age-wise, voters still fall on pretty dependable lines. Voters under 45 go to Sanders 57% to 31, while voters over 45 lean towards Biden 72% to 17. 52% of liberals back Sanders, while 55% of self-identified Democrats support Biden. Additionally, 65% of moderates or conservatives back Biden, and independents are split almost evenly 46% to Sanders and 45% to Biden. Quoting CNN, Asked whether it should be a higher priority for the next president to restore the government to the way it was before Trump took office, or to go beyond restoration to make major changes to the way the government works, 72% chose major changes, just 25% restoration. Even among Biden supporters, 58% say it is more important to make major changes to move beyond where the government was before Trump. CNN continues, Biden outpaces Sanders by 40 points as the candidate with the best chance to beat Trump, the best chance to unite the country, and as the best to handle a major crisis. But Sanders tops Biden by nine points as the candidate who best understands the problems facing people like you, and by six points on who agrees with you on the issues that matter most. The poll also shows that in head-to-head matchups in the general election, Sanders would win 52 to Trump's 45, while Biden would win 53 to Trump's 43. But now let's check in on the states with upcoming primaries. Looking ahead to the states voting tomorrow, Tuesday the 10th, 
Biden is ahead in all of the states we have reliable polling from, Mississippi, Missouri, Washington, and Michigan. In surveys released yesterday and conducted last week in Missouri and Mississippi, data for progress shows Biden with a strong lead in both states. In Missouri, Biden leads with 62% to Sanders' 32 And in Mississippi, Biden leads 77 to 22. There were a number of polls released today regarding the Michigan Democratic primary. Real Clear Politics shows Biden with an average 25-point lead over Sanders in Michigan. Quoting Monmouth University on the results of their poll, Biden leads Sanders among white voters, 50% to 36, and voters of other races, 53% to 36%. Biden is winning voters age 50 and over, 62% to 24, by a larger margin than Sanders is winning those under 50 years old, 49% to 38%. Women prefer Biden to Sanders, 53% to 33, while men prefer Sanders, 49% to 39, end quote. Patrick Murray, director of the Independent Monmouth University Polling Institute, said, quote, Biden appears to have the advantage because he is doing well among some groups that Sanders won four years ago. But as we learned in 2016, Michigan can defy expectations. End quote. Nate Cohn for the New York Times laid out the possibilities he sees for a Sanders comeback in a Twitter thread he posted yesterday. Quote, in the broadest sense, I think there would actually need to be two components of a Sanders comeback, not just the fundamental shift I alluded to. I think the state of the race would also just not need to be as bad for Sanders as it currently appears. There's very little post-South Carolina polling, so our view of the race is mainly based on the hard results of Super Tuesday. Those results, as I interpret them, mean Biden was ahead by nearly 20 points nationally on March 3rd, nearly a 2-to-1 lead. I think that would need to be a bit overstated. How could it be overstated? The three biggest swings or errors that I can remember in Democratic primaries came after a candidate posted a decisive win that threatened to allow them to run away with the race. New Hampshire in 08, Michigan in 2016, South Carolina slash Super Tuesday in 2020. Voters put on the brakes. With that in mind, perhaps there were voters who were generally undecided on Biden versus Sanders, but voted Biden to make sure Sanders didn't run away with it. And with now Biden poised to run away with it, they might hope this balancing effort works their way. Do I think this is true? I mean, not really. Could it be true? Well, I can't prove that it's not. What I do think, for Sanders to stay in the game, it might need to be. Another way the Super Tuesday results could be a little overstating Biden is if the early election day split is more about moderates voting late than assumed. I think it's obvious it's overwhelmingly shift, to be clear, but if it's 15% compositional... That helps Bernie a lot versus 0%. A final way the Super Tuesday results could be overstating Biden is if Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota results aren't representative of the North, mainly because of the possibility of weird home state endorsement effects in Massachusetts and Minnesota. This would be really important since it's why we assume Biden's up big in Michigan. If all of those three Super Tuesday mitigation factors were true— then maybe Biden's only favored by 7 in Michigan, not 15. Maybe Illinois and Arizona are basically tilt Biden, not Biden up 10, and so on. Biden's still a big favorite, but maybe that leaves Sanders within striking distance. End quote. Cohn says if all of this is true, Sanders would need to change the race to his favor through debates, results, and negative coverage of Biden. 
His team appears to be trying all of those. The negative attention is definitely heating up. Joe Biden said over the weekend in possibly my favorite quote from the election in a while, what we can't let happen is this primary become a negative bloodbath. I know I'm going to get a lot of suggestions on how to respond to what I suspect will be an increasingly negative campaign that the Bernie brothers will run, but we can't tear this party apart and reelect Trump. We have to keep our eyes on the ball, in my view. End quote. <laughs> well, the Bernie brothers are banking on a poor performance from Biden in the March 15th debate, which could really, as Cohn says, give some voters pause. Nate Cohn continued on Twitter, If they can avoid a humiliating result on March 10th in Michigan, North Dakota, Washington, and Idaho, then that next debate, pre-Florida, Illinois, Ohio, Arizona, gives them their moment to try and more fundamentally change the race. It might be too late at that point, and Florida is going to be a landslide, but Arizona and Illinois aren't huge stretches. He concludes, This might be a bit like Clinton in Texas and Ohio 2008. Narrow wins that keep the Sanders campaign alive, even though the delegate race is basically over. But there are more delegates left than in 08 at that point, and it probably keeps the race going until New York. Anyway, the whole starting premise here is that Biden is an overwhelming favorite. 538 has him at like 90% to win a majority, that strikes me as about right, but if Sanders is going to make a comeback, this seems like the basic way it would have to happen. End quote. We will find out more after those six states vote tomorrow. I have a feeling, like Cohn says, it won't all wrap up tomorrow. Even if Biden leads in most states, I don't think Sanders is dropping out before that March 15th debate. Far from it. And that is the election roundup for the day. As always, you can find Election Ride Home on Twitter at Election Podcast or on Facebook at facebook.com slash election ride home. Thank you all for listening and have a great rest of your day.